actually will be interviewing as a team. You are the best movers on the planet. So, bro, what kind of muscles you have? No. Bro, what kind of patterns you have? We're here to fuck shit up. Movement Athlete Podcast. Dr. Wes Hendricks here. I'm joined by absolutely no one. John's traveling around Europe eating pasta for the next three weeks or so. And we have some guests lined up over the, the next few weeks to make up for while John's gone. But I actually wanted to jam on a solo episode today. I just spent the last 10 days in Madison, Wisconsin at the CrossFit Games. Um, and believe it or not, I actually really enjoyed it. My girlfriend was there competing on a team for the third year now. And the the events were a lot of fun to watch, believe it or not. I don't want to say they started implementing higher level gymnastics because, you know, I'd it'd be a little insulting to people that identify themselves as, you know, gymnastics, calisthenics, body weight, uh, exercises. I don't know if that's the term, but they, they stepped it up a little. We've taken it a level above the bullshit, you know, kipping pull-ups and muscle-ups. So I wanted to talk about it because, while I, I really like some of the ideas, they could have done things better. Um, it was slightly pathetic watching these people that have, you know, six-figure exercising contracts and shoe sponsors, and they're able to put 300 pounds overhead for multiple reps after sprinting half a mile, but they're, um, they're demoralized by a few chest-to-wall handstand push-ups. So I, I, so it's apparent that people know how to get stronger, improve their engine. Uh, they can do it in conjunction with each other. But for some reason, these basic gymnastics movements, no one's really getting better at them or, or not at the level that you would expect from the caliber of these athletes. So I wanted to talk about why I like these movements, what made them so challenging, and how people can actually go about improving them. Because it really just looks like you're you're either good at them or you're not. So the ones I want to talk about in particular that I really liked were the chest wall handstand push-ups, the parallel bar traverses and dips, the new twists they had on the pistols, and then pegboards, and I'm gonna throw in their legless rope climbs. They they weren't they got canceled due to due to the weather, but I'm gonna you know, the, the pegboard and legless rope climbs, they go well together. So I wanted to put them both in there. So the first one, let me start with my favorite one, but also the one that got screwed up the most, chest wall handstand pushups. This was the right idea. Terrible fucking execution. Um, before I shit on the athletes, HQ did a horrendous job in this setup. The setup was terrible. It'd be like giving them barbells and and loading them not equally and telling them to go for a max snatch. They put these, and I don't know if that was a good explanation. Maybe I could have come up with something better. But they put these athletes way too close to the fucking wall. They had nowhere to go. They had to internally rotate their shoulders, flare the elbows out to the side. They're doing this terrible chicken wing thing. Um, they had to overextend the shit out of their spine to lower themselves down because they were so crowded to the wall. It was, it was a biomechanical nightmare. It was terrible. And well, I'm not going to give the athletes too much credit because I, I still think they'd for the most part be giving me garbage chest wall handstand pushups. 
uh, CrossFit didn't even set him up for success. It was a disaster from the get-go. So first and foremost, on CrossFit's behalf, they need to they need to do a better setup. We should probably standardize the setup. In previous years, you know, in different competitions, they've started standardizing the back-to-wall handstand push-up. And they've used individual's anatomy, so limb length, to get a more standard setup on it. They need to do something like that for these just-a-wall handstand push-ups. Because, you know, some people some people looked less crowded, some people were more crowded, and really it's going to be dependent on anatomy and limb length. So we need to standardize it somehow. Um, with that said, I, I'm still not going to give these athletes too much credit. The technique was horrendous and probably wouldn't even been much better with standard setups. Um, let's see now. In terms of improving the chest-to-wall handstand push-up, how I'd approach it. And this is how I'd approach it for these athletes. I, I'm not even talking about lower-level, you know, beginners or people not as advanced to these move, at these movements. I think these athletes need to start it this way. I would, without a doubt, start them with piked handstand push-ups. Um, feet on the floor, feet on a box, doesn't really matter. I'd probably put our feet on the box because most of their mobility is horrendous. Um, and the piked handstand push-up on the floor requires a decent amount of posterior chain mobility. So I'd probably start um, feet on a box. And I like this setup because it removes 50% of our body weight. It allows us to get the technique down. You know, if your max snatch is 100 kilos, you're not going to do technique work with 100 kilos. You know, if you can barely do a couple chest-to-wall handstand push-ups correctly, you're not going to refine your technique doing it. We need to reduce the intensity, bring it down to a level where we can figure out the the points of performance and the biomechanics of the movement. So the pike handstand push-up more or less decreases the movement by 50%. So now we have the opportunity to load it correctly. Um, so, and what we're looking for with this pike handstand push-up, we want to go down and we want to go forward. So in the bottom position, we're first of all creating that nice tripod position so our forehead, nose, whatever we're having touch the floor is in front of our hands. Um, we actually want our torso planched, so our hips slightly behind our shoulders. I actually saw a uh, CrossFit video the other day, a demo video on their Instagram of them doing pike handstand push-ups with a completely vertical torso. In my opinion, this is wrong. This is just going to lead to that overextension in the spine as we're pu pushing back up to the wall. It's, it's stupid. It was a stupid fucking video. Um, so you need a slightly planched torso. Um, so once again, hips slightly behind the shoulder. That's how we're going to accomplish that. So that's why I always cue down and forward on those pike handstand pushups. Um, once we start getting the mechanics of that down, we're starting to get comfortable with it, I would increase the range of motion. So now we can be doing it off the side of a stair stepper, we can get some parallel bars, so we're going to a deficit. Same thing here with that. You know, the the points of performance, the mechanics don't change. Um, I would actually probably choose parallel bars for these athletes because it's more difficult to flare the elbows out to the side. So you have to push more from the upper body, and there's a less opportunity to compensate. So for CrossFitters in particular, I would probably use the parallel bars. From there, if we're going to keep things simple, we can go up onto the wall with a proper setup, start doing chest-to-wall eccentric handstand push-ups. 
Uh, eCentrics, I've talked about this before, are always a good place to start in terms of bridging the gap from a variation like the pike tan stand push-up to the full variation because we can roughly handle about 50% more um, in the eccentric opposed to the concentric. So it's a good way to bridge the gap. But once again, you need to be doing the movement correctly for it to transfer. After the eccentrics, I would probably move on to elevated chest wall handstand push-ups. And keep in mind with these, if you're going to do it to an elevation, it needs to be a minimal height. If you're doing an ele doing chest wall handstand push-ups to like an 8 to 10 inch elevation, you're not even loading the shoulders, you're not loading the scapula, you're just kind of getting a little bit of elbow bend and returning to the starting position. It's not going to be enough to transfer to the full variation. So typically I, I tell people, you know, one ab mat is good. And then find a, a bumper that's about half the size of an ab mat. So maybe a 10 pound bumper. And then get a five inch uh, change plate or something like that. We're, we're going from, you know, four or five inches down to one inch. 10 inches, way, way too much. It's not going to transfer. So for the most part, if I was going to keep those progressions or regressions there. Pretty simple. That's what I would choose to do for these. Uh, there's definitely a, a lot more things you can do for accessory work. There's a few in-between steps there, but for the purpose of a podcast where I need to keep it simple, that's that's what I'm going to cover. And actually, I'll, I'll include one more thing in there. One we can call intermediary step when you're on the wall, whether you're doing eccentrics, whether you're doing the concentric on the chest wall handstand pushup, if you straddle or splay your legs, it's going to make it slightly easier. So if you're having trouble doing the eccentric, if you're having trouble bridging the gap from the eccentric to the concentric, you can straddle the legs. That's a nice in between to help in assisting. It's like a, a micro step along the way. So that, that's the last thing I'd include on that. Let's move on to the pegboard legless rope climbs. And I'm going to put both of these in the same category, and you'll see why in a second. And honestly, not everyone's going to have access to a pegboard, so that's also why I want to cover rope climbs here to make it slightly more applicable so people can start implementing these things as opposed to, you know, they hear, I don't have a pegboard, fast forward. I think there's a lot of good information we can get here. So the pegboard and the legless rope climb, they're essentially both regressions on the one arm chin up. The entire time your hands are staggered. So one hand's above the other hand. So the top hand's doing the majority of the work, the lower hand um, is doing less work. So that means we're gonna be able to produce lev less leverage with our bottom hand. So that's why we're using more um, why our top hand's doing more work. This is essentially what I just described, a regression on the one-arm chin-up, um, where one hand's doing more work, one hand's doing less work, until ultimately one hand's doing all the work, as in the goal with the one-arm chin-up. So I would, train, I would train it accordingly. I would train it like I'm building someone up to a one-arm chin-up because the, the pegboard's... Pegboards aren't as sad as the the legless rope climbs, but watching people do legless rope climbs, they really haven't gotten better at it. They've just 
they've just learned to bastardize it or kip it. So what I've started to see doing, and my girlfriend does this too, and it actually scares the shit out of me. As she gets to the top of a 15-foot climb, she'll start swinging her hips and she'll use the upward momentum of thrusting the hips up to take her hand off the rope and do the next the next rep or I, I don't know, the next stagger, the next ascension, the next ascensions, which is just sketchy as hell because your upper body really has no strength when you're up there. But I've seen it across the board with people. So none of them are really getting stronger. And it's just also unsafe. CrossFit's probably going to do something once someone falls from the 15-foot climb um, and severely hurts themselves. But until then, um, it's kind of unfortunate that that's probably what's going to be. So, and as I'm saying this too, you know, it's a legless rope climb. It's not a strict rope rope climb. So um, maybe it should be strict rope climbs and we should change the standards a little. But anyway, I would start training mixed grip chin-ups. It's a regression on the movement. It's a it's a variation that's going to be actually allow us to load it properly. Because once again, just like the handstand push-up, if we start people on the wall, if it's a variation they're incapable of doing, they're not actually going to be able to train it. They're just trying it, you know, uh, not using proper technique, proper points of performance. And you, you see it with the rope climb, what I was just talking about, this terrible upward momentum of the hips, not actually using our upper body to ascend ourselves up. Whereas with the mixed grip chin-up, we can reduce the load. We can focus on the points of performance. We can load the working arm more. So I think this is going to really give us an opportunity to correctly strengthen the scapula, strengthen the bicep, strengthen the connective tissue around the elbows. Um, and then it's and it's a very subjective movement, the mixed grip chin-up, because as you get stronger, you can subjectively load the working side more and take less pressure off the support hand. Another option, which people probably are going to like more just because it's it's a little more objective, we're going to call it mantle chin-ups, where as you get stronger, the support hand ring, you lower down, so you're, you're pulling from an advantageous position. It's going to look a little more similar to the legless rope climb or what the pegboard would look like. So mixed grip chin-ups, mantle chin-ups, I would be using those. I would then follow up that as primary work with one-arm chin-up lock-offs or isometrics at the top. And this can literally just be a one-arm chin-up isometric using the mixed grip handle position or even the mantle position. Um, And I like this variation because, first of all, isometrics are great because we're not going to increase inflammation. There's going to be no sliding of tissue surfaces, no joint shearing, Technically, all of the, those things apply. Um, so it's it's a good variation, especially for for the CrossFitters that are d- doing a shit ton of volume across the board. Um, secondly, the reason why I'm specifying one-arm chin-up isometrics, that's because as you either take, as you're climbing the rope, so you're holding on with one hand and the other hand comes off momentarily, or you take the peg out of the board and go up so you're ascending up, there's that moment where you're essentially doing a one-arm chin-up isometric. So that's why I had the emphasis on wanting to focus there. So those are those are the things I'd be doing. Uh, mixed grip or mantle chin-ups, following up with mixed grip or mantle one-arm chin-up isometrics at the top. 
I think for once again, the purpose of a podcast, we can keep it simple. And that's, that's where I would say, you know, the majority of people should be focusing on parallel bar dips, parallel traverses. Typically people look at, you know, the parallel bar versus the ring dips and automatically say ring dips are going to be more challenging. Not necessarily the case. Maybe if you're doing your ring dips correctly, sure, they're going to be more difficult than the bar dips. But unfortunately, what I see a lot of the times with CrossFitters is, A, they're riding those ring straps, so they're getting a ton of lateral stability from the ring straps. And B, they're not really accumulating a lot of time under tension at the top of the ring dip. They come up, you know, they barely lock out the elbows. Um, It's super, super fast. They immediately descend down into the next rep. And, you know, it's not necessarily their fault because there's no standard of holding the top of the rep. They're not needing to accumulate any time under tension in that position. But it became problematic where now we had to hold the top of that ring dip or bar dip position, i.e. parallel bar traverses, and then traverse across the bars. And what you saw were the people that couldn't maintain their elbows to be locked out. They had a bend in their elbows. The people that had a bend in their elbows now were wasting a ton of energy. They were failing their bar dips. So I think more people need to, A, do ring dips correctly, so not riding the straps, and B, accumulate more time under tension in that top position. So the two things I would start doing in people's programming or implement in the people's programming are, maybe we'll say three here. First of all, I would start doing my ring dips where at the top of the position, I pause and slightly turn my hands out. So a a ring dip, um, I I call them RTO dips, ring turnout dip. Um, So that will start to solidify that position. So as you come up, you slightly externally rotate your palms. So they're facing out anywhere from 45 to 90 degrees. The more you turn the palms out, the harder it's going to be. Um, you know, and hold it for about two seconds. That would be one option. The other option would be doing straight up isometric holds at the top where we're ring turnout position anywhere from 45 to 90 degrees. And we're isometrically holding that for anywhere from 10 to 30 seconds and really solidifying that top position, strengthening the connective tissue of the elbows the shoulders that turnout position at the top is a straight arm stimulus for the biceps. Uh, so I'd be spending a lot of time with those positions. And then if you're somebody that rides the ring straps, I would be doing a lot more parallel bar dips. Um, you know, I have one athlete right now in particular, she, she's dealing with chronic shoulder pain, crossfitter. And she told me she was really good at ring dips, but hates bar dips. They give her tons of pain. Sent me a video of her doing ring dips. Sure enough, she's riding the ring straps and, her ring, her bar dip was, she had no control of it because she was so used to the lateral stability of the rings. So I started out with bar dip eccentrics, um, just as one example there. So a lot of the times we need to take a couple steps back to move forward. I think that's how the analogy goes. Two steps back, one steps forward. I don't know. But for those people that are compensating with the strap, have them do more bar dips, whether it's eccentrics whether it's the full variation, accumulate more volume there, spend time at the top. Um, I think that's, I think that covers, you know, what I'd want with that. So let's round it out here with the, the pistol squat. 
so a saying analogy i don't know what it'd be something i'm always telling people if you have the mobility to perform an air squat you have a, the mobility to perform a pistol you don't need that much more range of motion in your ankles hips uh in the air squat than you need in the pistol it's more about that non-squatting leg and the ability to hold it out in front of you and crossfit what they made for the standard for this one event was you had to do you know 10 pistols on one leg without putting that non-squatting leg down and then once you knocked out the reps then you did another 10 one-legged or pistol squats on the other leg not being able to put that non-squatting leg down or demonstrating control at the top and what you saw was the people that have to hold with their hand the non-squatting leg out in front of them or just don't have a lot of control with it so they have to excessively bend it you know kind of laterally bend to the side or do some other sort of weird compensation to keep it out in front of them or wasting a ton of energy trying to hold that leg out in front of them and it's the same people that generally suck at l-sits uh, and it's because they lack that hip flexor strength that hip flexor compression so you know 99.9 .9 of your time if you're looking to improve the pistol especially this variation is working on hip compression the easiest way to do it um let's see for the purpose of this podcast how would i do it probably straddle leg lifts i would sit on the floor legs out at about 45 degrees so like you're trying to do like a uh, i want to say a pancake but a lot of people wouldn't be wouldn't even know what that is um let's just say sitting on the floor with the legs at about 45 degrees each spread apart from there you want to put your palms on the floor you know six eight inches in front of your your crotch <laughs> and lift the legs up you lift them up for a second put them back down lift them up put them back down um, there's a lot of different variations that i use in my clients that just straddle l circles where i have them pick them up do some clockwise circles counterclockwise circles have them up and down without the feet touching the floor and then holding that position um you know i i right now have asia barto doing a variation where he lifts it over an object um so he has to, he's got an objective marker he has to clear for each rep but once again a bunch of different variations the main thing is you're using your hip flexors to lift those feet off the floor um there generally will be a decent amount of compensation with the back in terms of leaning back meh you know as you get stronger it will improve um so you know I, I could get into the nuances of you know you want you know the palms flat on the floor you don't want to be leaning back at all but at the end of the day people are going to do something shitty before they do it well you know you can't over cue uh so that's where i'd start with these there's going to be a lot of cramping in the hip flexors it sucks i'm not really sorry this is the same strength you need for things like straddle press, pike press, stalter press. You need to be able to pull your thighs towards your stomach um, to make the, the position in your body more advantageous to press up. Because the further your hips are from your center of mass, the harder it is, the more strength it requires. So that, that's where I've gotten a lot of these exercises that I'm applying to the pistol um, for improving it. So that's really all that's all people need to focus on. It's mind blowing how much time is spent, you know, improving or working on, you know, the ankles, the calves, the the hips, the hamstrings. Um, probably 
people make claims on you know thoracic spine as well. Just work the non-squatting leg. That's literally all you need to do, um, and you will get a pistol. I promise you. And I, I think that covers the movements I want to talk about the most. You know, th- there was a couple other ones, but these were the the biggest ones for me that I think people could start improving on right now. If you guys got any questions on anything I covered, shoot me a DM. Shoot John a DM as well. Um, just so you guys know, John and I both offer programming on gymnastics work as well as mobility. So feel free to reach out to one of us if you're interested in a more personalized approach to your training and you're just honestly getting sick of trying to figure it out on your own and going to everyone else's Instagram pages or YouTube. Um, save yourself the time and just have a program that's dedicated to your goals. Uh, as always, reviews are going to help us out. So please re- leave us a review. Share this podcast too with someone that uh, you think will find it helpful. And we've got some good guests lined up for the next couple weeks until John gets back from his Euro tour. So be on the lookout. I uh, appreciate you guys listening. Have a good week.